So here's a question for you. Do you know what the number one reason is why presentations fail to convince? And did you know that it's the same reason why presentations thrive? Well, all will be revealed in this week's episode. Hello everybody, this is Trevor Lee and this is episode 162 of the Better Presentations, More Sales podcast. So I've got Kurian Tharakan with me today. So Kurian is going to share some really great insights. He's a sales and marketing advisor based in Edmonton in Canada. He works with a lot of startups. He's written a book. It's, he's got a, he's, it's an action-packed episode full of great tips and ideas. So I'm just going to say, right, let's get on. Let's get straight into this because there's some really great stuff for you to benefit from by listening to Kurian. Here we go. Kurian, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me on, Trevor. Uh, well, it's, it's great you're here. Now, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Well, I'm a strategic marketing consultant here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, right? So it's not, not the heartland of strategic marketing, but uh, that's the beauty of having the internet and Zoom and everything else. We've got clients all over, uh, all over the world, even in the UK, actually, surprisingly enough. And uh, what we do is primarily help our clients with their go-to market strategy, how to get into the marketplace, get the initial traction, and then scale. So that's, that's the core of our business. And um, Strategy Peak, is that the name of the business? Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors. Great stuff, great stuff. Now, just just give our listeners a few sort of thoughts on what, what do you mean by, you know, the, the help that you're going to give them. Just give a bit of outline. That would be great. Well, in the last 10 years, 12 years, you know, I've been working with a lot of startup companies, you know, hundreds of startup companies over that time. And uh, what I find is that they are very technically proficient. A lot of startups coming out of the university here in Edmonton. Uh, they're technically proficient, uh, science backgrounds, engineering backgrounds, that kind of thing. And what it basically boils down to is they're very good at the technology, but very poor at communicating the core messages that convince people that this is something they should at least look at, let alone try. So when we are trying to uh, determine right at the very beginning is some kind of a marketing method or a sales method that will help these People who did not get into business to be salespeople. You know, a lot of them are <laughs> yeah. accidental entrepreneurs. They came up with a technology, right, or a science. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But they find themselves in a situation where they have to be the chief cook, bottle washer, and salesperson. And uh, we needed to come up with a method that allowed them to do this. And I think we've come across one that uh, is very easy to master. And that's great because I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I work with quite a few uh, sort of people, graduates and things like that, and they're getting to companies and they never went to university to learn how to be salespeople. You know, that, that's kind of where they find themselves in their roles. So, yeah. And, and, and do you find that they, they easily adapt to that situation, Curry, and that they can pick it up and, and, and recognize that, you know, their great idea needs that help to make it happen? Yeah, I, I think most people are very uh, adept at this once they realize that selling is primarily storytelling. Right. Yeah, and, and once they understand that, uh, that they are in the business of storytelling, then they can quickly get their heads around it. And then if we put the storytelling into a series of phases and stages and what uh, narratives they have to communicate in each of those stages, there's an overall narrative, a meta-narrative, but then each stage has a very specific thing that they need to communicate as well. 
And once they get their heads around that, everybody's a natural storyteller. And the reason <laughs> why that is, is because in order to understand your world, you only understand your world by the stories you tell. So I, I, it sounds like you're helping people to grow sales by ensuring they kind of don't think like traditional salespeople. They you know, don't see themselves as a salesperson. Right. And in fact, you know, a lot of people think of that as, as something that, you know, they definitely don't want to do. Right. Me, I grew up in the sales business. I grew up in the marketing business. And, you know, I think it's a very noble profession. It's the front lines of any business. Right. It is a thin front line. Unless sales are generated, nothing else is going to happen. But uh, sales has gotten a bad name in the last 70, 80 years. And, you know, there's no reason for that because we're all natural storytellers. And if, even if it's convincing our kids to go to bed, you know, that's a sales process, right? And ultimately, you want your, uh, your prospects, in that case, your kids, to do that of their own accord, their own volition. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, uh, you are the author of the seven essential stories charismatic leaders tell. So, uh, yeah, maybe just tell us a little bit about that, please. Sure. Ultimately, leadership is about selling. Okay? Selling is about leadership. It's sort of inter intertwined. And the leadership, uh, the sales part of that is to install in your people's heads, your market's heads, even your competitors' heads, a narrative that is compelling and insightful and carves out a place for yourself and your people in a ship that you've designed that is now going into uncharted waters. And, you know, no, nobody really has visibility six months out, a year out, unless you're the power utility company, right? The electric company, right? That you might have some visibility. But if you're a, you know, especially a startup and most businesses, you're, you're, paddling along every day, trying to figure out what to do next, right? You have an overall direction, but this idea of infusing your people with the confidence they need and an overall game plan in their heads that they willingly come to you and effortly, effortfully paddle along, you know, even though it's a sales ship, I'm mixing metaphors here a little. Uh, <laughs> that's very important to get your people to come along with you. And sort of almost... Um you know, understanding your vision and, um, and wanting to be part of it. Vision, mission, and, you know, what we've done is in the book, uh, what we say is the first half of the book is all about culture. And, you know, culture is something that exists. It's like water to a fish. The fish doesn't have to believe in the water to be given life or death by it. If it's toxic, polluted water, it'll kill the fish. If it's life-giving water, it will allow the fish to thrive. So culture exists whether you want it to, to exist or not. But then how do you make that culture come alive, become vibrant, high energy uh, in the way it infuses people with purpose, passion? Uh, and the way you do that is with the seven stories. So culture is one thing, and we have seven different pillars of culture. And then we have the seven stories that you infuse that culture with to make your place come alive. Wow, that's, 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 that's great. And is that... Is that a concept is that the concept that you build your you know your work around your consultancy work around uh this is a central part of it you know at the very beginning i was uh consulting on marketing <laughs> you know this is facebook that is you know that's a traditional type of copywriting etc but the more i worked with the startups the more i realized you know they don't care about that and they, and to make them a facebook expert or whatever else it is is going to be a, a very futile effort so what you really needed to do is give them a method a framework that allowed them to become marketers, to become salespeople, even if they didn't want to be that at the very beginning.
right? So they're doing it in a very effortless manner, simply by storytelling. Yeah, without, without, to a certain degree, then without realizing what they're doing to a certain degree. Is that, is that a fair, fair statement? Without, because, you know, if you're going to bring in investors, if you're going to bring in those key employees to work with you, you're going to convince, you know, at the university, the dean to fund your project, you're going to have yeah. to tell these stories. But yeah. now here's, but this is now a seven, seven uh, story framework that allows you to say, these are the stories we need to tell. Now, I think this is going to neatly lead us, if I'm right, into uh, the, into the thing that you, you, you sent to me to uh, when we talked about coming on the podcast, which was, as you described it, the number one reason why presentations fail to convince, but it's the same reason why presentations thrive. So I'm, I'm now on the edge of my seat waiting to know what that is. <laughs> well, so he, here, here's what it is. So, you know, th there's an example of a story that I left you hanging with, right? It's uh, the beginning of a story. It's the hook. And uh, that ultimately comes down to the reason that leaders, brands, products, movements, uh, let alone presentations, thrive or fail is when the stories thrive or fail. And without under the very first thing anybody buys from you, the absolute very first thing is your story. If they don't buy into your story, especially the big idea, the core messages, if they don't buy into that narrative, they won't buy anything else. So if you're going to fix anything to begin with, you know, don't fix your product. The product, that's a given. You have to make sure that product delivers a result. But the story to make it come alive in your prospect's head, in that bean of the faculty's head, whatever it is, right? Your spouse's head, you have to tell a story that's compelling to them. And that story isn't about you. And the story is not about your product. That story is about your prospect as hero. So what is that prospect as hero story? And so that hero now, you know, in every Pixar movie out there, you know, something was going along just fine. Then something happened and I caused <laughs> them to go on a journey and then they got a resolution and then they, then they lived all happily ever after. Right. <laughs> but this idea now, if that's the story that most people have in their heads, uh, then at that point in time, you become the character in that story called the wizard or the fairy godfather, godmother, and you are going to grant your prospect, the hero of that story, a magic amulet, an incantation, a, a, a sword, you know, whatever it is to enable their story, the promise in that story to come alive, to come to fruition. So that tool set is the products that you sell are simply a tool set to enable the promises of the story to come alive. So if I'm if I'm uh, doing my presentation or my pitch to my prospective client, what am I right in thinking what you're saying is that I then need them to believe that they are the hero of my presentation and pitch and they think it is about me. It's not because we know we see so many presentations, um, don't we? I'm sure you see the same ones that. It's all about me. It's all about me, 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 how great I am, how many awards I've won, you know, how sure. great the coffee machine is. And oh, are you the, oh, and uh, here's a little bit about you, the potential client. So you're kind of knocking all that nonsense on the head and getting, you know, put the client front and center by the sounds of it. And you want to really understand what is the most meaningful aspect of that story that is going to get them motivated today. Right. And so I don't want you just to, to launch into a story. I want you to have a deep empathy for that prospect and understand their current state. Now, what is their current state and what is going through on through the head? And, and there's two types of, uh, you know, they want to get out of pain and get to gain, but there's two types of pain. 
There's active pain that they're wrestling with right today. And it could be the photocopier is broken. I need a new photocopier. Will you sell me one? Or it can be latent pain. And latent pain is pain that I don't know I had, but you're right. I do have it. I didn't know what I didn't know. I did not know what I didn't know. Uh, you know what? How do I solve this pain? I didn't know. I, I didn't know. And that's every cancer diagnosis. You know, everybody thinks they're okay until they get a cancer diagnosis. Now they are, they are in play to do something about it, right? And their lives change on a dime. Just changes completely around the other way, right? And so we want to understand what these stories are that are going to be meaningful and emotionally resonant uh, to, to your prospect. And in the book, you know, I've got seven stories. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll send you an infographic uh, to, the, to the stories that are here. But seven real simple stories. Story five, though, is a very powerful story. It's called The Mighty Winds. And The Mighty Winds are all about this understanding that every, every uh, business is actually a sailboat. It's a sailboat. It's not a powerboat. It's not a motorboat, nothing like that. It's a sailboat, right? And sailboats, by definition, need wind to power their sails. And the problem is most entrepreneurs, most business people build a fancy sail ship without ascertaining what is the availability, direction, or power of that wind. Now, the, five, the, the winds we're talking about here to power your sailboat, because it'll be different sailboat designs, right? Depending on those three things, power, availability, strength of the wind. Uh, the, the winds we're talking about are macro trends. And so you have societal trends, technological trends, environmental, political, legislative uh, trends, societal trends. Did I say societal already? Uh, political trends. All, all these different types of trends. It's a very basic environmental scan. And when you say, for example, that these trends, they are just forces in your environment. They buffet you, they buffet your competition, and they buffet your prospect. That's just what happens. So in if I... The example I use in, you know, by the 1950s, 1960s, uh, the transistor was well on its way out of the uh, lab. The microprocessor was starting to pull together. Uh, by 1969, the U.S. De uh, Department of Defense had started its DARPA net, which eventually became the internet. By the 1990s, we had the World Wide Web. Now, that's a technological macro trend, all enabled by the transistor. <laughs> back in the 50s, back in the late 40s, right? Bell Labs. And so now this entire thing, here's what happens. It absolutely creates a tsunami of destruction in its, in its wake and an absolute tidal wave of opportunity. So the tsunami of destruction, has anybody used a typewriter lately? <laughs> no, I haven't. And, I, and that's the way I used to do it, right? I used to walk into a steno pool full of, uh, full of uh, people clacking away, getting the transcripts out the door, right? Who does that anymore? And it has created a tidal wave opportunity for people like Mr. Zuckerberg, okay? <laughs> and, you know, and Piero Midyar at eBay and all, and who have, who have benefited by multi-billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in the process. Amazon could not exist without that initial glimmer of the transistor back in the 1940s, right? And then eventually the title just overcomes everything else. So when you tell that kind of story and you position your products and services as ways to capitalize on that story and prevent destruction from that story because the macro, macro trend doesn't care, then you have my attention. And the very first step of a presentation is to command my attention. Yeah. And after that is to install that big idea and then get me to engage your curiosity to get you to say, 
tell me more because now I have your volition, your self-volition to move forward. And I imagine, uh, Kirian, that when um, when people use this technique for the first time, having maybe used a different technique, and 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 they, and no doubt they see a big difference. And uh, is it a kind of light bulb moment for them? It's it's a light bulb moment because it was so effortless. It is so effortless, you know, because it is it is something that you already possess. And now all you have to do, and what I say is the seven essential stories charismatic leaders tell. And most, most of us can't be charismatic, right? And maybe that's a genetic predisposition, <laughs> but, but the story can be charismatic. So you allow the story to carry the weight of the persuasion process. And persuasion is a marketing activity. It's not a sales activity. No, so persuasion is a marketing activity. And when you allow the story to carry its weight, you have the self-volition, that self-momentum of your prospect doing all the heavy lifting for you because they are really intrigued right now. So if people are listening to this and they're doing presentations in a very different way, how would you advise them to get started in this, in this way that you're talking about? What, what, sure. what's, the, what's the big thing they have to do? Well, the, the big thing they have to do, one of the first things is that you have to understand what is the primary pain, gain, and motive elements that is going through your customer's head right now. Now, what are those things? And with those items, you can then craft the stories that would be most appealing to them. Now, the beauty of this is this. Uh, most people don't have 15,000 different, 15, different types of prospects. Uh, that they deal with. They deal with six to 10 common archetypes, right? So you only need six to 10 common story themes and then different versions of that, different varia variations of that to appeal to the different set. Uh, and I'll give you an example of variation. Like if I'm a divorce attorney, you know, uh, if I'm a, a divorce attorney of some kind, there's two types of prospects I can deal with. The first kind of prospect I'm dealing with is the one that says, you know, you know, you guys, I'm getting divorced. And the second kind is, you guys are getting divorced. <laughs> now, the, you know, and those are completely different angles to lead into the discussion of what that marital uh, estate looks like and what the legal ramifications are and all this kind of thing, right? And sometimes you might hire your solicitor simply to smack the other person around a little as well, <laughs> in addition to getting the divorce. So you have to understand the motives and the pains and the gain points that are existent in your client's head or should be as existent because they right. may not know what they don't know. Yeah. I like the idea of, uh, of this, uh, you know, establishing with the client, the pains that they hadn't really thought about that they weren't conscious of that they didn't bring to the table before you interacted with them. And then they suddenly you're opening their minds up to it. Yeah. I, I think that's a, I, I, I think that's a great, a, a great concept. So, uh, yeah. And, um, and just tell me a little bit more about uh, briefly, because you know I'm conscious of the, of your time. But just tell me a little bit more about how you um, you know with us. Is it easier to do this with a startup than with with a traditional company that's been going a long time and doing things in a certain way? And you're now you know telling them to maybe make some changes. Well, Apple's products from 20 years ago are irrelevant and obsolete today. <laughs> you know, and Apple's a God knows how many trillion dollar company now, 1.7, 1.6 trillion dollar company, something like that, you know. And so they are constantly having to renew themselves. And that is a very large company. But that's the same is true for IBM, let alone the government. Every government has to renew itself for the current uh, macro trends that are affecting the society and the technology trends and the political, legislative, all this kind of stuff, right? 
So when it comes to that, you always have this opportunity to renew the story and to install a new set of uh, story lenses. But when you have a story installed, it becomes a belief. And when it becomes a belief, it becomes a lens to view your current reality. What's an opportunity? What's a threat? You know, what do I have to do next? And so when you do that, uh, you know, there's no company that I know of, let alone organization, movement, et cetera, that does not have to renew itself to stay current with the times. One of the things I say is that if you haven't renewed your, if you're a consumer products company, if you haven't renewed your, uh, your products uh, within a, you know, seven to eight year time period, and some things are, you know, very, very resilient, right? You know, the uh, sponges you use to uh, wash your dishes with, you know, probably not a whole <laughs> lot of things going on there. But if you're a consumer products company, seven to eight years, you have to renew. And that's the average length of time that a situation comedy on television loses its audience. It gains that audience, rockets out the door, and then it gradually declines. Well, why is that? Because seven to eight years later, your audience is seven to eight years older. And they have new things. You have new competition, all that kind of stuff. So it's a constant process of renewal. So there's always an opportunity. And I guess over the last 12 months, we've seen that accelerated because a lot of businesses, a lot of business people have clearly had to do things differently and adapt and renew much faster than they might have otherwise wanted to, I imagine. Absolutely. Great stuff. Yeah, well, Craig, can you, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say to you, I'm, I'm going to ask you right at the end for two or three top tips for, for our listeners to take away. But before I do that, can, I, can you just uh, remind people how they can uh, get hold of you if they want to know more about you, maybe engage with you, whatever it might be? Well, the very first thing is I'd love for you to take a look at the book. It's very inexpensive on Kindle. Uh, it's called The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell. Uh, you can find it on Amazon and you don't even need a Kindle reader for this. You can get a, you can get the hard copy of the book as well. That's okay. But uh, you know, Kindle apps are available on all the devices. The second way to get a hold of me is come to strategypeak.com, strategypeak and as in mountainpeak.com. And often to the right, you're going to see uh, a ability to download a couple of these chapters. Plus I got a blog there with over a hundred marketing articles uh, that you're going to find very useful in whatever endeavor that you're, you're engaging in now. Great stuff. Right. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes for everybody so they can uh, they can find that. I'll put the links into the to Amazon for your book as well. Um, so if we're going to wrap up, what would you uh, what would you be your sort of two or three top tips for our listeners? OK, let's see if I can get two or three. I might have I might have less or a lot more. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> the very the very first thing is, you know, 20 years ago, it was always about marketing process and tactics and techniques. And what I've realized right now is that it's got to be about the relevant, functionally significant, I'm sorry, functionally relevant, emotionally significant story that exists in your client's head. It's got to be about that because that's the only thing it's about. So you have to identify that story that is relevant to them. And you have to also be cognizant. They may not know the story. Okay? They may not know what they don't know. And, and like I said, you know, that's almost every cancer diagnosis, right? And at that point in time, people's worlds change. People's worlds change. The second thing would be that the story has to be highly communicable. So in a lot of ways, it's like a virus. We're living in the days of virus now, right? COVID, you know, you've got variants now, all these kind of things. Um, the story has to be very communicable. So you want to break that story down. The story is your customer's hero into that big idea, those core messages. And you got to make it in a way that actually allows people to repeat it. 
you know, to actually repeat it. And there's a lot of different methods to do that. But when people repeat the story, then it is something that they find important. It gives them social currency. See, then that's the whole thing, right? So social currency is a large part of why people repeat stories. And the third thing is what I'll say to you is that the money is in the list, the money is in the list, and the money is in the list. And what that simply means is uh, that what you really want to do is to add value to the customer to begin with in some way. And it can be something that they download for free, but now you've traded their identity information and now they got the infographic or, or a chapter of your book, whatever it is, but they got immediate value. And then you find a way to increase that value over time through some kind of an ascension ladder. And ultimately you want to create and enhance that value over the customer's lifetime to create the customer lifetime value. Right, because if you have to constantly go out and and get another customer for every sale that you make, you know that's a really tough business mm -hmm. to have. So everybody has an ascension ladder in their in their ecosystem. You just have to find one and deploy it. Because I'd rather go back and resell to my true believers than to ever go out and find a brand new adherent to my religion. Great stuff, Karen. That's 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 been great. There's some really fantastic stuff in there, and I'm sure all the listeners will now be looking at the way they communicate and thinking about their story and, and particularly around those, you know, finding those pains that their prospects may not be fully aware of or even aware of at all at the moment. So I'll put all the links in the show notes, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So I really appreciate you coming on, uh, on the podcast. Trevor, thank you for having me. Great stuff. Thank you very much. So I hope that was really useful for you. I hope you got a lot from that. Some really great tips and ideas. And I've put the links in the show notes as well to everything that Kurian mentioned in there. So, you know, great stuff. Now, if you've enjoyed the podcast, then uh, maybe give me a shout out on LinkedIn. That would be tremendous uh, just to say that you've enjoyed the podcast and, and, and say, tell about it. That's a great way of, of, of thanking, you know, of, well, say thanking me. But yeah, I mean, it does cost quite a lot to put these podcasts on. And this is episode 162. And of course, you as a listener benefit from them for, for no, not well, nothing at all, really. Uh, <laughs> but and that's all part of it. But what you can do in return is if you're enjoying the podcast is leave a review and give me a shout out on LinkedIn uh, and connect with me on LinkedIn. That would be great. So there we go. Um, now, next week, who have I got next week? What have I got lined up for you next week? Oh, I've got some great stuff for you next week. So I'll talk to you more. Well, tune in next week to find out what it is. But I've got another great guest lined up for you. The guests are just piling in at the moment, which is great. So I hope you're really enjoying listening to them and picking up some top tips and ideas. Right. See you next week. Thanks very much.